0: Welcome to the Monthly Ideas Exchange podcast, brought to you by ASX, the heart of Australia's financial markets. Each month, we'll connect you to a range of leading industry experts who'll give you a look into the finance industry and deliver valuable insights. Hear about important market events, industry research, tips for your own market research, as well as innovative products to help you diversify your investment portfolio.
1: Hi everyone, I'm your host, Rory Cunningham, Senior Manager of Investment Products at ASX. In this episode, I had the pleasure of talking with our investment expert, Jessica Lung. Jessica is a portfolio manager at one of Australia's largest ETF fund managers, BetaShares. During our discussion, I asked Jess to explain what ESG investing is, talk about how BetaShares measures the impact their funds are having on ESG-related goals, and I asked Jess to reflect on industries and companies that are benefiting from the ESG movement. So for those of you that are looking to learn more about ESG investing, let's get started.
0: A quick note about this podcast. Information is provided for educational purposes only and is not intended to include or constitute financial product advice. You should obtain independent advice from an Australian Financial Services licensee before making any investment decisions. Please refer to ASX's full disclaimer with respect to this podcast on the section of the ASX website titled The Ideas Exchange by ASX.
1: Jess, thank you for joining us on ASX's Ideas Exchange podcast.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be
1: here. Yeah, great. So we're going to be talking today about the topic of ESG. Um, Obviously, a very popular topic at the moment and a very important topic, actually, as I'm sure we'll talk about during this episode. But before we get into the detail, just for our audience, do you want to talk about what you do at BetaShares um, and, and how you got into the role, actually, that you're currently in?
2: I'm an Equity Portfolio Manager at BetaShares. I look after our ESG suite of funds, so that includes EFI, FAIR, EARTH, our Ethical Diversified ETFs, along with some other international ETFs as well. So my role as a Portfolio Manager is to oversee and manage the underlying assets that the fund actually holds. So in my case, because I look after equity funds, it'll be the underlying stocks as well as the cash levels. And alongside my day-to-day as a portfolio manager, a big part of my role is also product development. So coming up with new ideas and building new products to bring out to the market for our investors. Uh, A bit into how I got into the role. So before BetaShares, I was at Macquarie Systematic Investments Team doing a similar type of role, also managing index funds as well.
1: Yeah, great. Very busy. And with the product development side, quite busy at BetaShares as well. I think you now have well over 60 products.
2: Yes, we recently just uh, crossed the 70 product market line. So
1: There you go. It's going from strength to strength. Okay, so for this discussion, we've broken it into three parts. First, we'll start by defining and providing an overview of ESG. Then we'll take a look under the hood of the beta shares methodology and discuss some of the industries, companies, and outcomes that are being achieved by that ESG investment methodology. And then we'll finish by providing some useful tips for investors on how they can start to learn more about ESG investing. So, Jess, I think it's fair to say that ESG investing goes by many names. Uh, It has been referred to by umbrella terms, such as responsible investing, sustainable investing, or ethical investing or it may be referred to by a specific focus, such as climate change. Uh, And even during our chat, I have absolutely no doubt that we'll interchange all of these terms as we're having a discussion. But just so we can get a baseline understanding of what we're talking about, could you please define ESG investing and give some examples of methodologies investors such as yourselves use when building an ESG portfolio?
2: Mm -hmm. Sure. So ESG is another three-letter acronym that starts with E that's become very popular and one of my favourites along with ETF recently. So ESG stands for environmental, social and governance. So the E for environment, that's where we deal with issues such as climate change, pollution, deforestation. Social, that's where we deal with issues like child labour, human rights and employee relations. And lastly, government, where we deal with board makeup, executive pay, bribery, and corruption. Yeah, so like you said, there are many different interpretations and many different methodologies uh, used when building an ESG portfolio. But some of the main ones, we'll just go over the high-level ones that are used quite broadly, uh, exclusions. So an exclusion most typically can be used based on a business activity. So for example, you might be screening out or choosing not to have tobacco or gambling in your portfolio. So that's one end on the spectrum. On another end of the spectrum, you can choose to include. So where we actively seek out names or include the best in class as well. And then you can also have something known as positive scoring, where a certain stock might be favoured a bit more, depending on certain ESG scores or aspects which you choose. Um, so ESG considerations are slowly and will become the norm. And what's more important is ESG integration. That's using research and data to inform our investment decisions and manage the ESG risk within the portfolio. And that's what we've done. in our funds and we can go through them in a bit more detail later on
1: yeah brilliant i'm particularly interested in that area of vsg integration and how that's going to play out over the next five to ten years um, and we'll dive a bit deeper into that during our discussion The focus and popularity of ESG investing strategies is growing rapidly in Australia, but also around the world. So according to the latest research by the Responsible Investing Association of Australia, there's now over $1.2 trillion in Australia that's invested responsibly given that there's just over 3.1 trillion dollars in total managed funds in Australia this means that about 40% of the assets in Australia are managed responsibly that's up from 31% 12 months prior similar research from the global sustainability investment alliance shows that across the United States Europe Canada Japan and Australasia sustainable investment in these markets has reached 35.3 trillion US dollars in assets under management this equates to about 36% of all professionally managed assets across those particular regions. And finally, on ASX, we have seen an increase in the last number of years in a number of strategies that are focused on ESG. So now there's well over 20 ESG-focused products across exchange-traded funds, list investment companies, and also M MFund. So with all this growth in funds under management and the number of products Jess, I'm just wondering, do you have views on why is the interest in ESG investing on the rise globally, but also in Australia? What's driving the demand?
2: Yes, I think it really all boils down to that. Investors are definitely caring more about their exposures and looking into more detail into what exactly they hold. So they want to combine the ability to meet investment goals along with their ethical values. So more and more investors are realizing that you know these two are not mutually exclusive goals. You can do good with your money whilst still achieving the financial returns that you're after. So we also have some stats as well following on from yours. So according to the BetaShares Investor trend Survey, so investor alignment with ESG principles continued to grow with 46% of people reporting their investment decisions were based on ESG factors, and that's up from 40% in 2020. So like we mentioned, all ESG components, ES energy appear to be gaining traction, but environmental issues are now often the main area of focus for investors. And this doesn't apply just to your big institutional investors, but also to your everyday retail investor as well. So we can't exactly comment on the global, but because beta shares, we know the Aussie market the best. And our data shows that when it comes to buying investment products, that 27% of all investors bought for environmental reasons. And that's compared to 11% in 2020.
1: Jess, do you think there's any particular investor demographic that is leading the ESG charge? And also, has there been anything in the last couple of years that's really helped in create that step change in focus on ESG investing?
2: Yes, I think um, a big driver of the demographic is just a younger cohort of investors. So due to COVID, more and more younger investors are entering the market for the first time. And that's just combining the data that we have of ETF and especially our ESG ETFs. And with the majority of our ESG ETFs are still seeing inflows to this day.
1: Yeah, I think the the ETF trend in particular, um, the fact that ETFs are so accessible and as we'll discuss, you can wrap an ESG strategy into an ETF as well and it's fully transparent, appeals to that younger investor demographic.
2: Yeah, so for sure, I think you hit the nail on the head there. definitely about the transparency factor and they really care about what they're holding and they want to see exactly what they're holding and understand the product a bit more and not just have it very vague, per se.
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's turn our focus to the beta ESG investment methodology. So some would argue that the responsible investment industry, if I could call it that, is continuing to evolve and develop in terms of the standards of practice. And increasingly, there are expectations that sustainable investment is defined not just by the strategies that are involved, but by the short and long-term impacts that investors are having from their sustainable investment approach. Or said another way, investors are increasingly wanting to look under the hood to understand and analyze what a fund does, how it does it, and then the outcomes that that fund is achieving. So maybe if we could just start at that kind of first level, what it, what's the methodology that the beta shares ESG investment funds apply and whether you want to pick a specific fund or you're able to talk broadly, I'll leave that in your hands.
2: Yeah, we can go through FB as an example. So that's the Tika ETHI. That is our BetaShares Global Sustainability Leaders ETF. So that is one of our most popular products and it's currently sitting over $2 billion in funds under management. So this product was really a trailblazer in both the ESG and the ETF space. It was first incepted uh, in 2017 and it was one of the first to combine both positive and negative screens into the methodology. So a lot of the success of the ETF was a result of constructing a true to label portfolio. And this has really resonated well with investors. And that is investors that are deep green, but also ones that are just starting or wanting to get into the ESG space. So, EPI will give you an exposure to a diversified portfolio of sustainable international names that are considered climate leaders in the space. So, how we do that is we select the top one third of performers in terms of carbon efficiency for the industry or are in activities that can help reduce carbon use by other industries. So ETHI also has the most comprehensive set of screens in the market. All the names are rigorously screened for fossil fuel, human labour rights, and gender diversity. And we're also very transparent about our holdings. And the fund is also industry certified by the Responsible Investment Association, Australasia or RIA.
1: So when you're getting that data to be, enable yourself to first screen out a universe of stocks, And then also uh, apply a positive lens to the portfolio. How do you go about collecting that information?
2: Yeah, so the data collection process is quite rigorous and strenuous in itself. So we go through the broad universe of all the stocks that are investable, and then we get the ones that have carbon data, and then we go from there.
1: Yeah, so quite an undertaking. Yes. So say I'm invested in Ethi. Let's c- continue with that as an example.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How do you actually measure the impact my money is having? So for example, for every dollar that I invest in Ethi, is it helping to achieve the UN sustainability goals or some other type of impact?
2: Yeah, so this area is actually very exciting because prior to a few years ago, we couldn't exactly quantify the impact that your investment had. So you could just say that you avoided fossil fuel companies or that you knew that you were doing good with your money, but it was very broad in general and you couldn't exactly pinpoint the impact that your investment had specifically. So with the advancement of ESG data collecting or importing, we can really quantify reliably, compare across different funds and show the impact that your investment has. So we'll just switch it up a bit. We've been talking about Effie for a while. so let's talk about FAIR. So that's our Australian version of the Sustainability Leaders ETF. So for example, if you invest $1 in FAIR, that will result in an 85.4% lower carbon emissions than a dollar invested in the S&P slash ASX 300 index. So you mentioned UN sustainability goals. So just as a quick recap, so that's a set of 17 interlinked global goals by the UN or the United Nations designed to be a blueprint to achieve a more sustainable future. So some of the goals include ending poverty, affordable and clean energy, and gender equality. So to answer your question, 78% of FAIR's portfolio contributes towards these UN sustainability goals. And lastly, I think this one's pretty impressive. 100% of the power generated by the companies in FAIR come from renewable sources, as opposed to just 8% of the power generated by the companies in the S&P slash ASX 300 index.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing to be able to measure the impact like that. And I think that's been one of the real evolutions of the ESG industry, even in just the last couple of years. And I know it's something that ASX is paying a lot of attention to in terms of how we can help improve that disclosure from listed companies about various ESG related metrics. Um, Jess, a question for you around industries. So are you able to share a story of an industry that's benefiting from the ESG movement uh, that's held within any of your portfolios?
2: Yeah. so when we talk about industry, it's really hard to go past renewable energy on this topic. So within the ESG, or in particular, E, on the environmental, and climate change really stands out the most. So investors are increasingly looking to decarbonize their portfolio. Companies are also aligning themselves with the Paris Agreement and making commitments towards the net zero carbon emissions targets. And according to the IPCC or the Intergovernment Panel on Climate Change, 45% of the world's population is highly vulnerable to climate change right now. So this is an area that affects everyone and everything. So that's why I think so many investors care about it. And of course, you also have the current geopolitical events that have accelerated the deployment of green energy itself. So very recently, Germany, which is the EU's largest economy, announced that they're committing 200 billion euros to bring forward its goal of 100 percent renewable energy by 15 years to 2035. So putting all these factors in together, renewable energy companies really are the beneficiaries of a number of long-term trends. So you have the increasing amount of funds being invested into this space. You have the decreasing cost of capital, as well as, like you mentioned, disclosure rules, such as the EU taxonomy. And more recently, the SEC, or the US Securities Exchange Commission, unveiled a climate disclosure rulemaking proposal. And if that is implemented, that means that companies are required to disclose certain climate change-related information ranging from greenhouse gas emissions to expected climate risk and transition plans. So all of this is making climate change very relevant and raising awareness on the need to address climate change and the like.
1: Thanks for sharing those insights. It sounds like there's some great fundamental drivers for the, those, the industry that you've just um, shared with us there. I do love a stock story. So a question for you around what's the best company that you've seen, hopefully in the portfolio, that's trying to solve a big challenge and demonstrate leadership and innovation in how they approach ESG. So that could be you know whether it's tackling climate change, human labor rights, diversity, or even all of the above.
2: Yeah, so I'm actually going to give you a fund instead because I feel like the whole fund tackles the issue of climate change and that is EARTH, so ticker E-R-T-H, our Climate Change Innovation ETF. So when you invest in Earth, it gives you exposure of up to 100 leading global companies that derive at least 50% of their revenues from products and services that help to address climate change, including other environmental problems through the reduction or avoidance of CO2 emissions. So this one has companies like Tesla or Beyond Me, but what I find more interesting is it also has a company such as DocuSign. So by the name, you might be able to tell that it's an electronic document signing tool, So what's really interesting that I found from this stock is that since 2003, 20 billion sheets of paper have been replaced with this digital service. So that's 20 billion sheets of paper and contracts, which are now converted to digital contracts and you just sign them over the web. And that's equating to the preservation of over two and a half million trees.
1: That's amazing. And hasn't COVID been a real driver for that company's success as well?
2: Yeah. And then you also have companies like Zoom where people can now take meetings online instead of traveling and reducing the carbon footprint on that front as well.
1: What are you seeing from companies in relation to how they approach ESG and meeting investors' expectations? No doubt it exists on a spectrum of some companies that are doing really good things in the ESG space, including their reporting, but also other companies that, that need to improve. So what are you seeing that companies are doing well and and where do you think improvement is required?
2: Yeah, so disclosure of non-financial metrics is increasingly being required of listed companies as investors seek to understand more about how, how they operate. So one example is how companies are increasingly looking to address questions about modern slavery in their supply chains. So in a world of global supply chains, multinational companies are being asked to have a clear understanding about their production processes and sourcing of raw materials from their investors and other stakeholders. So one example that we can quickly talk about is the production of a car. As we know, a car is very complicated. There's so many different parts. And along with those, each part, there are long supply chains that can extend beyond 20 levels deep. So we can take an example of a, a stock example. So Daimler, who is a parent company of a luxury car brand, So they have over 60,000 direct supplies alone. And what they've done is that they've singled out 24 raw materials that pose the most risk and have put in motion plans to make sure that their supply chain is fully transparent by 2028. So this really goes to show that there's increasing pressure from investors and legislation forcing companies to go beyond the superficial with their supply chains and to really drill down to the bottom of it. So on these helpful matters, however, there's always room for improvement. And here at BetaShares, we engage with companies on the issue and on the ESG matters by our responsible investment committee. So on the stewardship side, we've engaged with over 60 companies with human rights issues being a big topic of discussion. We also hope that global efforts to improve non-financial disclosures will help investors understand how companies are addressing these important matters.
1: Can you just dig a bit deeper there into what stewardship means uh, for our listeners?
2: Yeah, so stewardship just means taking a, an active role in making better outcomes in terms of ESG for your investments.
1: So an example of that would be investing into a company that might meet your investment criteria, but then also working with the board and management to improve uh, how they go about their ESG credentials.
2: Yeah, so that's correct. So one side that you've mentioned is engagement with the companies and another that we participate is via um, proxy interest or voting as well.
1: You mentioned earlier, Jess, that we're potentially moving to a world of ESG integration, So my question is for you. What does ESG investing look like in 10 years? Uh, Will all companies be following ESG principles and will we still need ESG focused funds or will that just naturally be part of the investment mandate of any fund?
2: Yeah, so like you mentioned earlier in the episode, a significant portion of funds are already invested in ESG. But even with the amount of money, I would say that this space is still in its early stages and it's still going through a lot of change. So investors are the one demanding and essentially driving the changes and companies can no longer ignore ESG issues. And then you also on the reporting side have things like the TFCD or the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures and things like COP26 or the United Nations Climate Change Conference that really brought together leaders from all countries to agree on how to set up action and solve the climate crisis. So now I would say that ESG is just increasingly becoming the new normal and will be over the next 10 years.
1: Yeah. So for investors wanting to get started in ESG or improve how they think about ESG investing strategies, what's your guidance for them in terms of, first of all, what should they consider when choosing an ESG fund?
2: so I think what's really important here is to do your research or like the name of this segment, look under the hood, and just really to have a think about what their own personal objectives are. So what are they after when they're looking to invest in an ESG or ethical fund? So they might value uh, certain screens more or decide to not have certain sin stocks such as tobacco or gambling. Uh, So after you've considered what your personal objectives are when investing in this space, you should then do your homework to really try to find a fund that best aligns with your values as not all funds are created equal. So one of the main benefits of ETFs is transparency. So you can have a look at the underlying holdings and make sure that they're aligned with what you're after.
1: And where do you recommend they go for education?
2: So for more education, you can go to our website, betashares.com.au. There's lots of resources and education pieces. You can also find us on YouTube where we upload a lot of videos and our webinar sessions.
1: Yeah, that's great. I think for anyone getting started, I would recommend the Money Smart website by ASIC as well. They have some fantastic resources for any investor, whether you're you're a beginner, intermediate, or even advanced investor. Uh, of course, the ASX website, and naturally there's a lot of uh, podcast content out there where you can find specific content related to ESG. One final question for you just before we wrap up. What's your favorite book on ESG or a particular theme such to climate
2: change. So one book that I read quite recently, which I find very interesting, is called Reset, Map to Make Australia a Renewable Energy Superpower by Ross Garnett. So it's written by the economist Ross Garnett, and he develops the idea of a renewable superpower and lays out how the pandemic offers Australia the opportunity to reset its economy and why old approaches or old ways of thinking won't work.
1: Fantastic. Thanks, Jess. And thanks to all our audience for listening today.
2: Thanks for having me. It's been great fun.
1: That's a wrap with Jess. The key takeaways for me are that there is significant growth in investor demand for funds to factor ESG into their investment decision making. And over time, we may see ESG become fully integrated into the traditional investment approach. It's also really important for investors to do their research and look under the hood before selecting an ESG product to ensure that the fund aligns with your values, goals and objectives. Increasingly, funds are getting better access to information to help investors with their research and to inform them about the impacts their investment dollars are having. I hope you found this conversation valuable, and we'll see you next month.
0: Visit the ASX website, asx.com.au, and register for the next Investor Day, our premier education event, providing timely market insights and ideas from a range of industry experts.